Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shur Mandaf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom, and we are studying Masechet Nazir. We are going to look today at the first part of Mishnah Gimel in the sixth parak on Daf Lamed Tet Amud Aleph. The Mishnah opens with a statement that we are familiar with from the first parak, Stam Nazirut Shloshim Yom. The default amount of Nazirut is 30 days. It was dealt with again in a later prakim, uh, and it's introduced here. Uh, in order to introduce us to the second component of Isurei Nazir in the first Mishnah, uh, the first two Mishnayot, which we dealt with at length in the Gemara, we looked at the various Isurim, the various prohibitions emanating from the vine, and now we're going to look at the issue of haircutting. So here, instead of looking at the issue of liability, we're looking at the issue of consequences. The consequences of having your hair cut, or even if cut by thugs, it doesn't matter. Meaning, if it was cut by against your will, you did it yourself, you hired someone to do it, it doesn't matter, then it cancels out 30 days. And the reason for that we will see in the Gemara immediately. Now, Nazir Shigileach ben Bezug ben Bata'ar, Chayav. This clause does deal with the issue of liability. And that is that even though the Torah says tar lo yavarosho, a blade can't go on his head, nonetheless, even if he uses a zug, which is like a scissors, or shesif seif koshu, if he just pulled some hair out, then he is chayav. We will see that this is subject to a machloket, and let's take a look. Hi, Mazia. The first question the Gemara asks is a very unusual one for the Gemara. It asks a question about uh, about physiology, and that is how hair grows. But it immediately, in typical Gemara fashion, makes it non-theoretical and addresses it and, and applies it to a practical consideration. Hi, Mazia, hair. Milatachat rabbi o el. Does it grow from underneath or from on top? Meaning, does the hair that, shall we say, the hair that's uh, at the tip of your beard or the tip of your hair is that hair now being pushed further out by hair that's growing from underneath, or is it sprouting forward? Now, Lamanaf uh, Kamina, who cares? What's the difference? The answer is, Let's say that, like the case in our Mishnah, he was shaved against his will, he didn't do anything wrong, but instead of being clear-shaven, he was clean-shaven, he was shaved, or his hair was cut to the point where the hairs could roll back and touch his head. There was enough hair to fold it back and touch his head, like a little curl. If you say that hair grows from the bottom out, then Naziru Tashakle, because then, when he took the neder of Nazirut, the hair that he was pointing to, to, saying this hair is going to be sanctified, that hair then became the edge of his hair. And it grew out. And then for when they cut his head, even though they left a little bit at the bottom, they did cut the hair that he was pointing to when he took the Nizirut. But if you say that it sprouts out, then my the hair that he sanctified is still there, next to his scalp. And more hair grew out. Which means that he, he has not violated his Nizirut, as it were. Right, so now, how do we solve this? Toshma. And we're going to solve it in an unusual way for the Gemara, because the Gemara rarely relies itself on empirical evidence, and I pointed out that, that in the notes a couple times, it re- rarely relies itself on empirical evidence to 
to settle a question like this, who would rely on uh, on law. But now, miha in bachaya, a a nit of lice, which uh, which is alive, the coin beikva devenata, it stays at next to the uh, next to the scalp. So the isakatayta v'natachat rabbi, if you think that hair grows from the bottom and pushes out, bereisha devenata by the makeum, it should then be at the edge. Meaning that the knit that uh, that uh, was at your uh, scalp should go with the hair out. So it must be that the hair grows out and the hair that's at your scalp stays there. So the answer is no, that doesn't help. We could still say that it grows out from the bottom. Because it's alive, it crawls down uh, and goes back to the scalp. And that's why it's always near the scalp. So Toshba in Bameta. Now look at a dead knit. Bereisha de Benata. It stays at the top. And if you think that it grows out, it should stay near the scalp. So yeah, the reason is because he's dead. He has no strength. He just kind of uh, goes with the flow. So if the hair grows out, he grows out with it. So that proves nothing. Um... Toshma mi blurit kushim, a blurit, uh, which is a very fancy kind of hairdo that um, that uh, goyim certain. We have some pictures from the uh, Greco-Roman period. They would grow their hair out, and then the top part of the hair they would make into fancy curls. The bottom agadlin la rafim in the After they braid the top part, the underneath part loosens up. So Hatamnami, I did the Kamta. The idea there is that it must be that it's growing from the bottom out, and that's why now the stuff that's curled on the outside, on the outside, the stuff inside gets uh, kind of uh, un- uncurled, loses the curl. So Hatamnami, I did a Kamta. He meshichva derafia. The answer is no. That doesn't prove anything since it's uh, all uh, kind of smushed together. The stuff underneath it loosens up, so it proves nothing. So Toshma misikrata derafia amr milatachat. A, they would uh, take a red dye and mark it on the back of uh, lambs. And that's how they would mark. This is the Maaser Behema. So you know which one was the tenth, which one is the Corbin. And what happens? That the wool then grows um, and, the, uh, and the dye mark goes with it. Right, Vitanya. And by the way, that is not only a phys- an empirical reality, but it is also something that is used in Halakha as uh, as mentioned, there are hagav among the identification of maaser behemah. The two, katsavi savia dikanhon, when old men tie their beards, chavran ikve nimhon. The the beard hairs that then come out afterwards are white, which proves to you that the hair continues to grow out, and therefore the dyed hair that was next to the chin now moves an inch below the chin, and then the white hair comes in. So it's not that it grows out, it grows from the bottom, it pushes out, and that should settle the issue. So in the end, we do rely on empirical evidence to demonstrate uh, how hair grows. Okay, so that should settle the point that if somebody uh, is uh, takes a vow nazirut and least him cut his hair to the point where there's only a little bit left, uh, he should, that should cancel out the Nazirut. He should have to do a full, another full 30 days because the hair that he sanctified grew further out and that was what was cut. 
So but we have a bright that says that in that exact case it is not so ter and does not need another thirty days. If you really think, as you just settled, that the hair grows from the bottom out, then it should cancel out the days. You should need another 30 days. Now, parenthetically, and I mentioned this in the Mishnah, what's the reason for needing 30 days is, as we saw in the sugya of Barpada and Rav Matna, the discussion about whether Stam Nazir Shloshim Yom or 29 days, is that you need Gidul Para, you need hair to grow out. And we understand from the halach of the Kohanim, Kasom Yichsimu Roshayim, that 30 days is the minimum period that produces Shiluach Para, having the hair grow out. Alright, so, so uh, the answer that the Gemara gives for that case is, The case is where the person had finished his Nazirut, he hadn't yet shaven and brought the Korbanot, but he finished the period, and he and the, at that point the least him caught up with him and shaved him and left that little bit there. Umani, Rebbe he must be according to Rebbe Liazer. De Amar Kol Acharmelot Zayin Soter. Remember Rebbe Liazer's opinion from the third parak, which is that if you become tamei after completion of the nizirut, but before bringing your korbanot and shaving, you do not lose the entire nizirut. You only lose shiva. You don't really lose anything. You just need seven days. But now we're going to get a new twist into that. We always thought that the seven days of Rebbe Liezer was just because you can't bring Korbanot for seven days because you're Tommy. So in seven days you bring Korbanot and then you shave and then you can start drinking wine. There's a little bit more to it than that. He says, My time of the Rebbe Liezer, why does Rebbe Liezer say that it cancels seven? Is that Rebbe Liezer does have the approach Right, so um, so after Malot, it's only seven, and and that is Tiglachat Tumah, and he learns from that to Tiglachat meaning when a person has successfully completed his Nizirut, Ma Tiglachat Tumah Shiva, Tiglachat Shiva. So therefore, just like if you became Tomei after Malot, you only have to wait seven days and you complete your Nizirut, same thing if you are perfectly good Nazir and you finished your Nazirut and then they cut your hair, then you only have to wait seven days and you can complete your Nazirut. Why? The the Rabbanan calls Shiva Yomin Atyamazikere Lachufrosholi Ikaro. Um, that, uh, every, that, uh, every seven days your hair grows out enough to fold it back. So he says the Rabbanan, meaning everybody, including Rebbe Liezer, agree that within seven days, if you've been clear-cut, within seven days, your hair will grow long enough to be able to curl it back. That's the shear that we're talking about. So he says, therefore, since the halacha is that if you have a, an interference in your zirut after malot, it only cancels out seven days, not 30 days. Therefore, he says, it must be that the minimal shear for growing of hair in such a case is enough to fold it back. And that's why the Brighta said that if they cut your hair and there's left enough that it folds back, it's not so terrible because that covers what you would have to wait seven days for. Okay, now back to the uh, Mishnah. Nazir Shagilech ben Matar ben Mezug, Sif Koshu Chayav. So the Mishnah said that any blade or any, any way that you cut your hair, even pulling it out by hand, you're Chayav if you're a Nazir. Tanu Rabbanan. The Torah says, Ta'ar lo yavor al rosho. It's the first pasuk on the page. Ein tar, talash, which means to pull out. Merat, which is to pluck out. Sif seif, which is to pull out a little bit. 
kol shuhuminayin, so it skips blades and goes right to using your hands. How do you know that you're chayav even for that? Talmud Lomar, gadel pera, The Torah defines that you cannot use a tar and that you are kadosh who has to have his hair grow. Which means it's helping to define. Tar is just an example. And really, any item that you use, any method you use for removing your hair and preventing shiluach pera, you're chayav for. Divrei Rabbi Yoshia. And that's Rabbi Yoshia, and that fits with our Mishnah. Rabbi Yonatan disagrees. All I know from the Torah is a blade. If I don't use a razor, and I use anything else, and the examples he gives are the same ones that Rabbi Shua gave Lachiyuv, then I am patur. So what's Rabbi Yonatan going to do with the phrase, Kadoshia Gadel Para, he has to let his hair grow? The answer is, that's there to tell you that if you violate by using a blade, you violate the lotase of tar and the ase of kadoshiyeh. But kadoshiyeh doesn't redefine the method for getting rid of it. It just tells you the consequences of getting rid of it the way the Torah said, vitar. Tanya idach, we have another brighta that seems to parallel this dispute. Tar, enli elatar, talash maratsif sev koshuminayin. How do I know if I just pluck it out or pull it out? Talmud Lomar, and now the author of this brighta uses a different part of the Pasuk. Lo yavor al rosho. Tar lo yavor al rosho, meaning rabot kol amavirim. Anything that you could pass over your head or any method you could use to clear your head. Umeachar shesofenu rabot kol davar. And since we're going to end up including everything. Ma Talmud Lomar tar lo yavor al rosho. So then why does the Torah say tar? If we're going to end up saying that any method for getting rid of it, so why does the Torah give one example which leads us into the wrong direction, thinking that it's only a razor, and that's what Rabbi Yonatan said? Why does the Torah say that? So, because the Torah never explicitly says that the final shaving that a Nazir does is Bitar. It just says, Yigalachet Rosho, Vigilachet Rosho. It doesn't say how. So, you can't learn it from Metzorah. And as we're going to see in a couple of minutes, there are three types of people who need to have Giluach. And one of them is a Metzorah. And you cannot infer from a Metzorah that uh, just as a Metzorah uses a Ta'ar. And we're going to have to see how we know that. That a Nazir can use a Ta'ar. Because what will be the result of that? The Kal is Nazir. You can't learn a kal mechamur. In other words, mitzora is far more stringent than the nazir, both as far as what his status is and what happens at the end. They shave his entire body. So you can't learn nazir from mitzora because you're going to end up with all sorts of chumrot on mitzora, on, on nazir that shouldn't be there, like shaving the entire body. So we can't use mitzora as a source, which means we don't know that a nazir's shaving, when he's com- successfully completed the period, is done bitar. All right, therefore we need tar in the Torah, not to tell me what the prohibition is, because the prohibition is anything, but to tell me how you have to do it at the end. You're not allowed to do it now, but at the end, that's what you must do. Rebbe Omer Enot Tzarich. Rebbe says, you don't need that. Harehu Omer Tar, Lo Yavar Rosho, Ad Malot. So he sort of reads it the same way. He says, the Torah says, a tar cannot go over his head until he's done. Mashma Toramra, Achar Malot, Lo Tetiklach, Atel of Tar. So the Torah is saying that when he is done, that's what you got to use. Av Aktiv Tar, Lo Yavar Rosho. But the Torah presents it as the lotase. So the answer is lavor lav lavin. That any removal of hair is a lav of yavor, yavor al rosho. 
And if you use a tar, then you end up violating two lavim of taking your hair off and specifically of using a tar. That's a parallel, somewhat parallel bright. Now, Amr of Chista. Of Chista makes the following statement about hair removal. Vilkot beachat. He said, to get makot for violating the zirut, even if you took one hair out. Le'akev. But to be, uh, to be, uh, to prevent, meaning, to invalidate a proper shaving at the end, bishtayim. So if a nazir had his hair cut at the end, at the ceremony, at the, uh, uh, bring the korbanot, and left one hair in, he's okay. If he left two hairs in, then it's not valid. Restore, but as far as canceling out, as our Mishnah said, that's only if a majority of his head is cut, and only betar. So it's not only the result, it's also the method. Now, betar in b'midi lo? What? Only if you use a tar? After all, the issue of being shorn during the zirut and therefore necessitating another 30 days is not because of what you violated, because it's true even if somebody did it to you against your will. It's just the reality that you don't have hair, and you have to have a gidul para. Right? How do I know that any sort of ma'avir, anything that removes the hair, is soter? What he means is that the only time, or chista means the only time, that the only circumstance under which you're having your hair cut really is soter is if it's ke'entar, which means it really cuts the hair out, as opposed to a trim, and it has to be rov rosho. All right, that's rov chista. Now, Tanya Namihach, we have a bright that supports that. Nazir Shatalash Miratsiv Seif Koshu, Enosotar Elaborov Rosho Uvatar. So the Brighta says, even though, as we've already established, if a Nazir plucks his hair out or pulls his hair out, it's a violation, he is not Soter unless it's majority of his head and he uses a blade. Shimon Yehuda, Mamim Shem Rabbi Shimon, Kishem Shishtay Sarot Makvot, he disagrees with what Avchista later expresses. Just like leaving two hairs means you haven't fully shaved your head as a nazir, kashte sarot sotrotpo. Similarly, if you do cut two hairs, that's already soter. You don't need rov rosho. You need just two hairs cut, and he doesn't address the issue of tar. That's the brighta. Now, as I mentioned, there are three types, three people who need to have their hair cut. Tzvanatam, shlosham megalchin, v'tiglachtan mitzvah. There's a mishnah in Nagoyim, in the context of Metzorah. There are three who shave, and their shaving is a mitzvah. Nazir, that's one. Mitzorah, and Mitzorah shaves twice. When he's declared to be pure and does the ceremony with the two birds, he shaves. He sits outside of his tent for seven days, and then he shaves again. The Levim, Levim, when they were sanctified that one time, were also, were also shaven. If they used some other method besides a blade, or they left two hairs that they didn't cut, then it's invalid. Alright, let's take a look at this. So, Pshita, we know them. The Torah says, in every case, so, my, so why do you have to tell me that there's a mitzvah? I might think that it's just get rid of the hair. Not that there's a mitzvah to shave them, but to get rid of the hair, even if they put on some sort of a cream that would get rid of the hair. Kamash therefore teaches us there's really a mitzvah of giluach. Now, we see that both the Nazir, Metzorah, and the Levim, if they shaved without a tar, without a blade, like they used scissors, or a depilatory, or something else, 
then it is invalid. So Nazir, I understand and we're following with Rebbe that says either like Rebbe says Ad meaning and when Malot comes you have to use a tar, or like the first ton of that Brita said that the word tar there is unnecessary because we end up including everything for the violation it must be that's for the obligation later on at the beginning of Parshat Palotcha in Bamid Barchet the Torah says that you have to pass a tar over the entire bodies and it specifically says tar and how do we know that Metzora, as you see on the two psukim on the page, two and three, talk about the Metzora, the two consecutive psukim, only say the word legaleach. They don't, it doesn't specify the tool for that. So how do you know you need a tar? So you might argue, learn it from the Levim. Infer it from that. Just like the Levim need to be shaved and it has to be betar. So I can include the Metzara she had, and he needs like Tiglachat, and it's also Batar. So Iko Mifrach, you would challenge that. So Malavim, she came tuning to Nufabagufam. The Levim have a weird Chumrah that nobody else has, which is that the Bnei Israel have to pick them up, have to wave them, pick them up. You don't have such a thing in the context of Metzara. So if that's strange, so the blade is also another strange thing. So Metzara, the low. So maybe Mitzorah can be inferred from Nazir. So, no. The Nazir has a very strange offering. He brings three animals, and with one of the animals, he brings 40 loaves. The Mitzorah brings animals, but he doesn't have to bring any loaves. So perhaps the, the Nazir is strange. He brings loaves. He's also strange in that he needs a blade. We still don't know that a Mitzorah needs a blade. So fine, we cannot infer Mitzorah from either Levim or Nazir independently. So let's infer it from the two of them together. But whenever you infer from the two of them together, the system is that you start with one, you identify the disanalogy, and then you go to the other one, and you build a case of the common denominator. So let's see. Who are we going to start from? Try the Levim. And they challenge it. The Levim are strange because you have to pick, they had to pick them up. So Nazir Yochiach, Nazir will disprove that because a Nazir needs a tar, and nonetheless a Nazir wasn't picked up at any point. So uh, the Nazir is strange because his korban has 40 loaves. So the Levim Yochichu, the Levim can disprove that because the Levim uh, do not need any loaves in their korban. Um, so the argument continues to go back and forth, and each perspective is not like the other one, meaning that the 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 unique difference, the significant difference about the Levim does not hold by Nazar, the significant difference about Nazar doesn't hold by the Levim, so we have to find the common denominator. That the one thing that Nazar and Levim have in common is that they, there's a requirement to shave them, and the shaving is betar. So therefore, I can now apply it to the third one. The Torah says you have to shave them, it must be betar. So Amalei Rav Marnishlo Avashi, he says that doesn't work. There's another thing about the commonality, common denominator of Nazir and Levim that doesn't exist by Mitzorah. Ein korbano bedalut. The Levim had to bring the Korban that they brought. There was no option. And a Nazir does not have the poor man's option either. A Nazir has to bring a Keves, 
and a lola and a kivsala chatat and an ayel lishlamim and and the forty rikike nazir. And there is no such thing if you can't afford it to bring something else. You can't apply that to a Mitzorah, who is clearly less serious, less severe, at least as far as the final process goes, because the Torah allows him to bring a poor man's offering. If he cannot bring the uh, the animals, he can bring the birds, which is much cheaper. So therefore you see the Mitzorah is lighter, and therefore you cannot infer from Levim and Nazir, which are both severe in that they have no allowance for poverty, uh, you cannot infer another severity that they have, which is that you have to use a blade to a Mitzora who has the allowance for poverty and therefore perhaps does have um, an allowance for using another vehicle besides a blade. We're going to stop at this point and pick up from here, here's Hashem in the next podcast, and then continue on to the next Mishnah on Membet Amud Aleph. Everyone should have a wonderful day.